Welcome to Wild Ideas Worth Living, a show where we talk to experts who've taken a wild idea and made it a reality so you can too. From people who have sailed around the world to those who've started thriving businesses and even broken records, some of the wildest ideas can lead to the most rewarding adventures. I'm your host, Shelby Stanger, and I hope you enjoy this show. This is episode eight with ultra marathon man, Dean Carnazes. This episode was brought to you by Elliptigo, the San Diego based company that created the world's first elliptical bicycle combines the best of running, cycling, and the elliptical trainer. They're great for outdoors. They're great for cross training, effective way to build cardiovascular fitness without aggravating injuries. Great for everyone from weekend warriors to elite athletes. Dean Carnazes uses them to cross train. Check out elliptigo.com. Tell them wild ideas and Dean sent you. So Dean Carnazes, welcome to Wild Ideas Worth Living in sunny San Diego where it's raining today. <laughs> We're so excited to have you on the show. Thanks for being so accommodating and meeting me. Thanks for having me run by. Awesome. <laughs> um, so I want to get right into it. You know, we, we just spoke briefly, but the show is about having a wild idea and making it a reality. And for you, you had a real corporate job at GlaxoSmithKline, one of the big pharmaceuticals. You were getting good money. I think I read in your book, you're a millionaire by 30, which is incredible. And you quit to be a runner. That was a wild idea. So I want to know where that idea came from and how you did it, because there had to have been self-doubt and naysayers and all these people telling you you're absolutely crazy. Well, I blame it all on uh, bad tequila. Bad tequila does cause a lot of problems. That's <laughs> funny. No, literally. I, uh, as you, you know, I was a, I was a runner and an athlete when I was a kid in high school. Loved it. Uh, quit altogether. Um, you know, went to college, went to grad school, went to business school. Had this cush corporate job in San Francisco. Fat paycheck. You know, company car, all the perks, stock options, everything. And I was miserable. I hated my life. <sighs> Sometimes I think so, a cush corporate job sounds really <laughs> nice, but yeah. I, I thought it would bring me happiness. I thought, you know, here's the prescription for happiness. You get a good job, you know, you get a good education, good job, make a ton of cash. You're happy, right? It wasn't working. And I was in a bar on my 30th birthday in San Francisco doing what everyone does on their 30th birthday. And at about 11 o'clock at night, I just said to my friends, I'm leaving. And they said, wait, where are you going? Let's have another round of tequila. It's, you know, it's your birthday. It's 11 o'clock at night. I said, I'm going to run... 30 miles tonight to celebrate my 30th birthday. That's awesome. It's funny how 30th birthdays can be so <laughs> transformational. So I read that in your first book. On my 30th birthday, I um, had to do 30 crazy challenges in Costa Rica, including riding 30 waves, making out with 30 boys. Um, it was just debaucherous. <laughs> we don't want to hear about that. But yeah. exactly. We're not going to talk about that. But 30, <laughs> so you ran 30 miles and you hadn't been training. No, I was drunk. I just walked out of the bar and knew if I ran to Half Moon Bay from San Francisco, it's 30 miles away. So I just stumbled off into the night. So was it painful? Because I just ran a half marathon without training this weekend. And on mile 12, they're offering shots of tequila. I took <laughs> one. It helped. But really, it the was... The tequila helped for about the first, you know, 10 miles. And then when I sobered up, I thought, what the hell am I doing? This is a ridiculous, drunken thing. But it just felt right. Like, I don't know. It just felt like I was following my path. You know, I kind of saw the writing on the wall that night. Um, it, it's a little bit deeper than that because um, I was happily married and this woman that I knew, my wife knew as well, starts hitting on me and she's like, this happens all the time, come on. And I just thought, do I want to be the 50-year-old fat guy in a red Ferrari, you know, with 
<laughs> multiple trophy wives. I'm like, no, I don't. That's not me. That's just not where I want to go. So I ran away from it. So one night you just decided to run and then you quit your job the next day. Like, you got to tell me more. You know, I didn't quit my job the next day. It was scary. You know, we talked about this. You brought this up in the intro. It's the most terrifying thing ever to leave your job. Yep. I thought about it for a while. I just had my daughter. My So I had a one-year-old daughter, Alexandria. Uh, I was happily married to my wife, and um, I was the only paycheck in the family. Mm. Um, we had health care. You know, I've got a young daughter. We've yeah. got health care for her. Uh, I've got a bright future for her, you know, and I said, I'm going to leave. I'm uh, that's it. I'm going to become a runner. And my wife looked at me and she goes, I wonder what took you so long. That's impossible. I mean, that's yeah. amazing that she said that. But usually when pe- when you go do something like this, there has to be people who tell you you're crazy. Were there people at least at, at your job who just looked at you like you're crazy? Like, hey, you're going to become a runner? Yeah. I mean, a lot of people thought, how, how the heck are you going to make a go of it? I didn't know how I was going to make a go of it. Like, what do you, how do you earn a living as a runner? especially an endurance runner. I mean, mm-hmm. most of these competitions I'm in, you get a you know a belt buckle if you run 100 miles. Yeah. <laughs> it's not going to pay the bills. So I thought, how am I going to sustain myself as an athlete doing what I love? And um, I didn't know how I was going to do it. And you know, a lot of people, I think, were envious because yep. they thought, this is the guy's passion. You know, Hats off to him. He's doing what he loves. But they were like, how are you possibly going to make a go of it? Like, you're going to end up you know, homeless. So how did you know you would make money from running? I mean, had you already gotten sponsored or? No, I, uh, you know, I wrote, I thought, okay, let's write a book. Let's see how that does. So you, you know, knew t- the book would maybe happen in the beginning. No, I was so naive as an author. I just thought, mm, you know, write a book. I actually, I just thought it was, you know, kind of a thing I wanted to check off my bucket list, like my life list. Like a lot of people have aspired to write a book. I thought just write a book. And it became a New York Times bestseller, just like overnight. Wait, back up. Because a lot of my guests have had these wild ideas. And what they do is they go do their wild idea, and then they write a book about it. And that provides the income. I've had three guests already who've been just like that. So when you quit your job this night or, you know, this drunken stupor on your 30th birthday, did the idea of writing a book pop into your head? No. No, just the idea of doing what I loved popped into my head. And I didn't even think, it was, business was not even part of it. Like, it, it was so impractical and so passionate. Just do what you love. Uh, and then reality hit. Like, okay, <laughs> how do you actually, you know, make this work? How do you actually do these things? And, you know, to the listeners out there, it is the most terrifying thing ever to leave your job and to pursue your passion. It's, it's horrifying. And so um, a lot of people, I think, are trapped because of this, yep. because of this fear. And how do you overcome that? I think by taking baby steps, like, you know, analyzing, you know, putting on your analytical hat and saying, okay, how am I going to make it? How am I going to sustain myself doing what I love? And then think with your passionate heart, you know, okay, this is what I love. I can make a go of it. Here's how some other people have done it, but do it responsibly. So did you have like a savings account set aside and you said, hey, I'm going to give myself six months before I have to go (laughs) back and get another job? I wish I was that calculated. No, I... uh, What did you do? You know, I just, I, I really didn't have any fallbacks. I just thought you throw yourself at it wholeheartedly. Uh, you go all in. And, so the yeah. money after you turned in your, your slip to GlaxoSmithKline, did you just start running? Did you call up sponsors? Well, yeah, no, um, I started working with the North Face. 
So they found you first and then you quit your job or? they Well, they came to me at the end of a 100-mile foot race okay. uh, called the Western States 100-mile Endurance Run. They said, hey, we want to get into the footwear business with trail shoes. And I thought that makes sense. It's the North Face. They're a trail company, yep. you know, an outdoor company. And they said, will you help us design the shoes? And I thought, this is too good. I mean, this is like, yeah. this is meant to be. So I, I signed up with them. It brought into a, a bigger sponsorship role with them. And uh, thankfully, the whole um, rise of trail running and you know yeah. exploration has grown like crazy. So I've kind of ridden that wave. But uh, we figured out how to make a go of it. Yeah. So did this meeting with the North Face happen before you quit your job? I guess that's what I'm trying to get at. Um, no, it was, it was right after I quit my job. Like immediately after. Yeah, it was right. It was just serendipitous. Aligned. That's why I mean, it was like serendipity. And people say, you know, well, that's just like a dream. This doesn't happen to everyone. But you've interviewed other guests and you've heard the same thing. It's not like a dream. It happens. Yeah. I mean, when I quit my job at Vans, um, I didn't know what was going to happen the next day. But literally within two hours, I got a phone call to go to <laughs> Indonesia and, and write about these crazy surfers. Um, so... But, I mean, realistically, yeah, realistically, it's a roller coaster, though. I mean, I'm sure you've had deep lows where yep. you're like, I can't, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to be homeless tomorrow. And then there's high highs where, oh, wow, I got a great contract. I'm being sent all over the world. This is fantastic. Yeah, I, I want to go, go with that idea. There's a lot of people who want to take that advice, do what you love, follow your passion. But how do you go from doing what you love and following your passion to actually getting a sponsor? Well, it's a tough job. I mean, it's a tough challenge. And one thing I say to people is, you know, if you don't think you can get a sponsor, can you work in the industry you love? Mm. So I always say there's a, there's a number of um, newsletters that are pub that have all sorts of opportunities in, you know, in surfing and um, out in the outdoor business. Um, look at a potential job, a role in an outdoor company, learn the business that way, and then see, you know, if you can step out from there. Yeah, that's, that's a good idea. Or you could just write about the industry and get jobs that way. <laughs> I, you know, I, I'm really curious. I read your book and I just read your latest book. I, I skimmed part of it last night. It's a great read, The Road to Sparta. Uh, can you tell me the name, the full title of, of the book you just wrote? So I yeah, know it. It, it, it's The Road to Sparta. It's road to Sparta. That's okay. literally what it is. Yeah. Um, it's a great book and, and it talks about your youth and your heritage. So I'm just curious. You know, all throughout your life, you were valedictorian. You were you were a surfer in high school, which I think is great. I want to talk about that a okay, little bit. All right. Um, but who motivated you to be the best the best version of yourself at a really young age? Because you were always pushing yourself. So where did this this idea to be the best version of yourself start? You know, I think it started when I was a, just uh, an infant, when my mom would just push me around the city all the time. My mom comes from a place called Ikaria, which is an island in Greece, and they're outdoor people. Mm. And she would just, from the day I was born, we'd, she'd put me in a stroller and we'd just spend all day outside, um, just kind of walking through the neighborhoods, just exploring. And I think I was viewing the lens through that sort of exploration of being outside, being engaged and immersed in the environment as a way to learn. And that's just fueled my passion ever since. I, I've never really consciously said, you know, how do I be the best Dean Dean can be? I just say, follow your heart and it naturally happens. But there has to have been times when you're running, you know, even on that 30 miles where you just wanted to quit. How do you keep going? What is that mantra you tell yourself to not quit? Well, I think there's discipline involved. I got to be honest. I'm yeah. a very disciplined guy. And um, I wouldn't say I'm militaristic, but uh, 
I can get through pain just because I know what pain feels like and I'm going to get through it. And having that discipline to to just be in the moment of time, be in the here and now and push through. Uh, it's just, it's kind of dis- disciplined mind and body and thought. So you're a valedictorian of your class, <laughs> even in college. So you must be a high achiever. You've always been a high achiever, but did you have some mentors on the way that really helped shape you? I read something in your book that you went to a camp with John, John Wooden, the famous basketball coach. Yeah. Um, and I think he told it, God, what he, he told you something about like, just do what you can do. Yeah. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, no, he was very influential. He, you know, he said, um, he said, you can't do everything. And I'm like, I can't, I'm too short. And he's like, but you're scrappy. You're really good with the ball and you can shoot, like do what you can do. Don't let what you can't do stop you from doing what you can do. And that lesson really stuck with me. I thought, you know, I can't, there's a lot of things I can't do, but there are certain things I can do. Do what you can do. How old were you when you went to camp with John Wooden? I was, I think in seventh grade. Yeah. That's, that's a good mentor to have it in seventh grade. Well, you don't, you don't realize these lessons, right? Until you're older and then you reflect back and you think, wow, that really shaped me. But you know, when you're a kid, let's face it, any 14, 13 year old that's listening to this, like these guys, <laughs> what are they talking about? A bunch of old people talking about nothingness. No, it's true that you can't connect the dots going forward. You can only connect the dots when you look back, <laughs> backward. I, I just listened to a, a, a Bill Gates, uh, or no, it was a Steve Jobs talk about that. Um, so how do you keep running? I understand like mentally you have a high tolerance to pain. You also have these physical calves that are like no other calves. And I read about them in your, in your book. And there's a great story about the Carnazzi's calves um, that you can talk about if you want. But really, how do you keep running physically? Because running isn't a sport that traditionally you get better in as you get older. Like surfing, people tend to get better unless they're Kelly Slater. I mean, they get worse unless they're Kelly Slater. Yeah. But you seem to keep getting better and it's well, amazing. I, you know, when you say better, um, how, you know, when you talk about running. Or you don't get, it's not that you can't, it's just that you keep going. <laughs> you're going. incredible. Running is usually a sport you give up after a certain age. Yeah. And you're going stronger than ever, it seems like. Well, I mean, there's there's different ways to look at running. I mean, there's running as racing. Yes. And you define who's the best runner by who's the fastest, right? You're not saying who's the best, who's the fastest. That's defined as the best. But if you look at um, running more as an artistic form, you could say, who's the best runner? Well, the person who enjoys it the most. Mm-hmm. And I just really enjoy running. I, you know, not, I don't like, I love running a marathon for time, but I also love doing like one time I ran from San Francisco to San Diego to run the Rock and Roll Marathon. I'm like, I'm not going to take a plane. So I ran 700 miles and I visited all the missions along the way. Like I always wanted to see all the missions. So I just ran to them all. It was incredible adventure. How do you not? you know, get injured or sore, or tired. What do you do for recovery? You know, I, I keep reading about all these guys that do chirotherapy or certain breathing techniques. And I haven't heard you talk about that. It seems like you just <laughs> sleep. You, eat, you know you what? Run. I've experimented with so much. I mean, a lot of people have influenced me. Um, I don't know if you know Tim Ferriss. I love Tim Ferriss. Of yeah. Course. So he's been a friend of mine. I've, I've experimented with him. Um, Laird Hamilton's been a big influence of mine. I've tried everything and I've always gotten back to the fact that let the body be the body. So I've always said, I'm not going to be reliant on any sort of gadgets, tricks, you know, anything like that. No external substances, no special treatments, no special rubs, lotions, potions, just be the best body you can be and eat, eat well, train well, and don't compromise. And that's what I do. 
So, so Tim will always ask people, what are their tools and tactics that make them high performers? What are your tools and tactics? I mean, is it getting eight hours of sleep or what are a few of the things that you do every day? That you, think you know, one, on one thing, I mean, a couple things I do, and I honestly believe this, I love to explore. So I fuck around for a couple <laughs> hours a day. I mean, I go running in where I live in, you know, Marin County, north mm-hmm. of San Francisco. There's great trails. I go run for two hours and I don't feel guilty about it. I don't plug in, you know, I might wear my Fitbit and track my steps, but I'm not, I'm not, my phone's not with me. I'm just out there exploring and screw it. It makes me whole. So I do that. And a lot of people I think don't do that. They, you know, their life is just constantly bombarded with going through the motions. And schedules and... Schedules and everything else, yeah. But do you try to sleep eight hours a day? You know, I try to s- listen to my body clock. Mm. So some... T- in my bi- <laughs> Biorhythms are weird things, aren't they? I mean, sometimes uh, I don't go to sleep till two in the morning and I get up at five in the morning and I feel fine. Other times I go to bed at midnight and I sleep till nine or ten and it feels great. So I just wake up. Na- I try to wake up naturally and go to sleep naturally. So there any, are there any other routines you stick to daily? Like do you meditate every day? Do you do yoga? Do you stretch? You know what? I'm all about movement, all about physical movement. So uh, we're doing this interview standing up. Thank you. Awesome. I hate sitting. So yeah. Thank so I you. never, my whole desk, my whole office is set up at standing level. I've got a pull up bar in my office, a sit up mat, and I'm cycling through um, this high intensity, you know, the HIT training, basically yep. interval training. Uh, it's about a 12 to 15 minute routine where you're just maxed out of pull ups, push ups, dips, burpees. And I do maybe five or six of those throughout the day, just as I'm in between calls or, you know, in between emails, I'll just spend 12, 15 minutes, bang out one of those. I kind of want to like just bang out the push ups <laughs> right now. Let's do some burpee contests right here. Um, yeah. I love burpees. Not really, but, um, that's so interesting. You know, I love not sitting. I think that's so important. Sitting, sitting, you said to me the other day was really destroys your body. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because people don't understand that. Well, I mean, I think it's kind of in vogue now, um, at least with more progressive, you know, when I go to the Midwest, there's still a lot of people sitting. There's still a lot of people sitting, but um, the whole idea of standing up while you're working is, um, is more mainstream now. I mean, I've been doing it for over 10 years mm-hmm. and I even eat when I'm standing up. <laughs> you know, and it's so, it's so funny, but uh, it comes back. I actually live with a family. I was an exchange student in high school and I moved to Australia. So I lived in Australia for a year and the father I live with used to eat standing up. That's awesome. And I used to think he was so weird. And now I do the same damn thing. So when yeah. you're in Australia, you also surfed a lot, right? Well, I grew up in San Clemente. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's be honest. So I grew up right on the beach. And what do you do when you grow up in San Clemente? You surf. You surf. Yeah. Do you still surf? Oh, yeah. I love surfing. And yeah. do you stand up paddling? I do supping. Yeah. What yeah. about elliptigo? I've seen you on the elliptigo. People, some people don't know what that is. It's an elliptical machine that actually moves forward. That is the greatest device ever. And for an injured or a person that can't run any longer because uh, of an injury, that has saved so many people. Mm-hmm. I use it just because I love it. It's a great workout. It's different. It feels like running. But it saved a lot of people's lives because pe- there's a magic in running. You know this if you're a runner. There's magic in misery. It's painful. <laughs> it hurts. Whatever. What but, part, yeah. I was actually wanted to actually ask you this. What part of running do you like the best? Is it during the run or is it being done with the run? What part of running just lures you in and keeps you, keeps you motivated to keep going? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I think it's, it's all of the above. 
I think it's the uh, the freedom of actually running, um, of listening to your heart, just having your blood circulating, of choosing your own path. You know, you can do what you want when you're running. They also, it's the freedom of no encumbrances. Mm. I mean, my goal in life is to give away everything I own because I think possessions uh, are a double-edged sword. <laughs> they carry a heavy burden. So when you're running, you have nothing, but you're your happiest, right? All you have is a pair of shoes and some shorts, but never are you happier. Never are you freer. So are you actually giving away everything you own and really trying to live less right now? With Absolutely. Less? Absolutely. And I don't own a car. I mean, people think I'm crazy. My kids think I'm crazy. Like, dad, you don't have a car. <laughs> I haven't owned a car in five years. Wow, that's great. So you went from being able to vacation in Tahiti when you were at your <laughs> pharmaceutical company to just living with less and it's made you happier. Happier. Yeah. Well, and living within my means. I mean, let's, I, I'm still, I make a great living. I, let's be honest. I don't want to say I'm, you know, in the poorhouse. Uh, I've done well for myself. What do I do with it? I don't, I haven't bought anything in years. Like I don't buy anything. I, I eat <laughs> and I love where I live and, and that's about it. That's great. I mean, but you do have kids in college, so. Kids in college. Yeah. That's, that's an expense. <laughs> yeah. That's an expense. <laughs> What's the craziest thing that's ever happened on a run or maybe even the most memorable? <laughs> this would be a long list. Um, I'll tell you about the wackiest roadkill I've ever seen. So I was running a marathon in Florida and uh, one of the, there was a, a footbridge that went over the intercoastal waterway. Actually, it was, a, it was an actual bridge. And we runners were on the right-hand right, right hand side of the lane, at, which they had coned off for the runners. Uh, it was The left-hand lane was open to traffic still. So we're running over this bridge, and a truck is coming in the other side, you know, pickup truck. It's in Florida. And all of a sudden, this huge silvery tarpon jumps out of the water to literally jump over the bridge to the other side of the water. I saw this guy's eyes light up. This fish just smacks into his windshield wow. as he's driving, come bouncing off. All of us runners duck, and it just goes flying off into the other side of the ocean. That's yeah, that was crazy. so funny. Let's uh, talk about Greece. Um, why was it important to go back and trace your heritage, your Greek heritage? And w what did you learn from it? And why is it important for people to know where they came from? Yeah, well, I mean, we're, you think you're interviewing Dean Carnassus, right? As I said, it's, I'm Constantine Nicholas Carnassus. So I'm 100% Greek. And I don't know, something in me said, find out what you're all about. I think everyone um, at a very basic level wants to know where they came from, to meet their family, meet their relatives, just see where their origins were from. And the road to Sparta is all about that journey. And it was, it was transformational. What was the most memorable part of of running in Greece, running in your homeland? Boy, there's so many things. The, the one thing that really strikes me about Greece is how much things haven't changed. Like certainly Athens is a big city, but even Athens, the Acropolis, you know, this, this structure that's been there for 2,500 years is just sitting there and you mm -hmm. can walk up there and touch it and feel it. And then when you get into the backcountry and byroads of Greece, it's the things haven't changed in 2,500 years, which is remarkable because so much of the rest of the world has progressed. Places there are still untouched. I want to talk about this next feat of yours. You, you made an announcement that you're going to run in every country in the world next year or attempt to. Yeah. Well, that's, that's the, uh, you know, I've been scheming this for five years. So this, I'm sounding like a broken record here, but 
I want to run a marathon in every country of the world in a one-year time span. Wow. So set off on a global expedition. There are 203 countries and run a, a marathon in each and every one of them. Is there one country that you think is going to pose the biggest challenge? <laughs> well, I, I could. there's a handful. Um, you know, Iraq, Iran, Syria, North Korea. I mean, the list goes on and on. I was wondering how you're going to handle those, <laughs> yeah. those ones. Well, I'm working with the, um, Department of, the U.S. Department of State, and they have a list of actually, I think it's eight countries now, where I can't leave the airport. Mm. Uh, they said, you, we can set up a, a treadmill in the airport for you, but we can't get you out of the airport. Wow, that's going to be an incredible year. So what kind of motivates you to keep doing these things? I mean, you've already proven so much of your life in running. Do you ever feel like you're trying to be be this Amazonian version of Dean <laughs> Karnazes, or is this really just what you love to do? No, people say, you know, how are you going to like uh, one-up your last challenge? Yeah. And it's not one-upmanship to me. It's just like think of the greatest adventure you'd ever want to you know, go on and this is it. It sounds fantastic. I just want to ask you a little bit about writing. You know, I love that you've become a writer and it sounds like you write standing up as well. Maybe you dictate. How do you, what is your writing process and what have you learned most from writing? Uh, you know, it's the old saying, it's 1% inspiration, 99% perspiration. So, <laughs> so much of writing is just retooling, reworking sentences, reworking paragraphs. Um, I write a lot when I'm running. So I, I have I a digital that. recorder. Yeah, you have some of your clearest thoughts when you're running, right? And so when I'm on flights, like across the country or across the world, I just type up my dictations. That's the only time I can sit still for like four or five hours. So you run with a recorder? Run with a recorder, yep. Wow. A digital recorder, yeah. And no problem talking to your recorder while you're running? No, I mean, sometimes I got to listen to the recording three or four times to really get it. But uh, no, it, it's a great way to write. That's awesome. And it's authentic, right? You're writing about running and you're running. <laughs> and you're putting your life out there. Is that ever scary or daunting or? You know, um, revealing yourself, especially to me, because I'm an introvert, a really strong introvert, uh, is terrifying to reveal yourself. And um, it's, it's a challenge that I faced and I like challenges. I mean, you saw me the other night at Warwick's Books. Last night I gave a talk in San Diego, uh, at the, the Tri Club of San Diego. There's like 400 people there to stand up in front of a group of 400 people and occupy them for an hour and try to entertain them and give them something out of your talk is it's it's horrifying. It, it is horrifying, but I really thank you for doing that because <laughs> I love your stories. I think they're really fun to read. I'm at the the road to Sparta. I'm at the part where you walk in to the convenience store and there's a woman who's freaked out by you. She either thinks you're an armed robber or she's not sure, but she knows you from TV. So she gives you this look and then she hands you this giant watermelon <laughs> from her field and you have to walk home with it, which is really funny. So I, I'm just going to ask you a, a couple of quick questions. What's your favorite saying in Greek? Uh, which means uh, who dares wins. Mm. I like that. What's your and favorite? And opa is a good one, too. Opa. <laughs> opa. Yeah. Um, what's your favorite Greek food? Uh, grilled octopus. Oh, man. Yeah. Grilled octopus. Yum. Said the vegan. Um, so I know you <laughs> love talking about nutrition. What advice did you give to the president? I think it was President Clinton, maybe, that you talked to about Clinton. nutrition. I don't know if you've talked to the Obamas or, or if you're going to talk to Trump. That would be interesting. 
Well, I mean, Clinton was fanat. When I met with him, he had a heart attack, mm-hmm. so he was fanatical about his diet. I mean, this guy is uh, incredible as far as how detailed he wants information. So we got into it very detailed about specifically what to eat. But top line, I gave him the same advice that you know Jack Lane had said one time, and that is, uh, if man makes it, don't eat it, and if it tastes good, spit it out. <laughs> I love that advice. That's great advice. And you're friends with Rich Roll. So have you ever experimented with being vegan? I have. I was vegan in high school, actually. Wow. And Rich and I always have debates because I, I, although I eat um, primarily seafood, so I'm primarily pescatarian, uh, I think my diet's cleaner than his. We debate this all the time because I don't eat bread. I don't eat anything processed. I don't eat uh, rice. Anything that has to go through a machine, be milled uh, and recooked, anything you can't pick from the earth and stick in your mouth or pull from a tree or catch with your hands, I don't eat. And he eats, you know, packaged goods, I mean, bread and stuff. And so I was like, Rich, yeah, I'm not a vegan, but my diet's cleaner than yours. So we have the base. And he actually uh, cut bread Um, last time I spoke to him, and he said I dropped 10 pounds just cutting bread. So you're 100% whole food. That's how you describe it. Almost raw, too. I rarely cook anything. Wow, I love that. If you could go back in time and tell your 15-year-old self one thing, what would you tell him? Probably wear sunscreen more often. <laughs> Take care of your body a little bit better. I used to, well, like all of us, when we were young, we'd surf all day with no sunscreen and everything I else. I know. I'm yeah. going to look super wrinkly in five years. But, <laughs> but you have Greek skin, so you're pretty lucky. <laughs> what are items you always travel with? Running shoes. <laughs> That's pretty much it. Yeah, if I have running shoes and, and swim trunks. <laughs> you're good to go. What's your daily morning routine? I drink coffee, I've got to admit. So I have a cup of coffee in the morning. Um, I usually write in the morning. That's kind of uh, my time just to chill in the morning. So I usually write. Um, I do a couple of my reps of the HIIT training I was talking about to kind of warm things up. I, I don't always run in the morning. I like running uh, at different times of day. I think if you always run in the morning, you become a very good morning runner. Uh, but you know, you then come the evening, you might not be such a good runner. So I run sometimes uh, at night with a headlamp, sometimes early in the morning, sometimes at lunch. Wow. Yeah. If you could fly a plane, we'll make it an eco-friendly plane across the sky and it could wave a banner and send a message to the world, what would it say? You know, I think the message, and I think here in America now we're feeling it more than ever, um, is, is instead of looking up to the government, look sideways to your neighbors. Mm-hmm. It's all about community. Uh, don't rely on the government. Turn to your neighbors and be friends. I like that. That's great advice. What books do you love or recommend? You're an author. You have to read a little bit. Yeah, no, I love, um, I only read nonfiction. My uh, my mom's a school teacher and she always, English teacher. She said, uh, fiction's the work of the devil. So always nonfiction. And so I like funny. adventure stories. So um, Into Thin Air is a good one. Uh, the Endurance, I don't know if you heard that story yeah. of Shackleton. Uh, the Worst Journey in the World is a good one, although very tragic. So adventure stories. I love adventure books. What's the best gift you've ever received or gifted? I'm very much into experiences. So I don't like like physical things. Like the best things in life are not things. So both my kids have done this for me, and it's fantastic. They've given me little IOUs that, Dad, I will run with you. <laughs> so when I redeem it, they can redeem it anytime, any day, and we will go running together. And that brings me a lot of happiness. That's awesome. So, so Dean, thank you so much for meeting me, for taking time out of your day. 
I'd love to talk about what's next and where you're going and where can listeners find out more. Yeah, I mean, if they go to um, ultramarathonman.com, uh, you can kind of track what I'm doing. Uh, with the 203 uh, marathons in every country, I'm inviting people to join me. So especially the, the local country folks. So pick a country on the list and come and join me. Tahiti would be a good one. Tahiti would be great. Maybe <laughs> New Zealand, maybe New Australia. Zealand, yeah, yeah. Last question is, what advice can you give to people who just want to live more wildly? You know, feel empowered to do it. I, I think that what we're doing and me telling my story, part of the the reason I reveal myself is I hope that people f uh, feel like they have permission to be themselves because I did it. So uh, I hope that I empower you to, to try a little bit, experiment, yeah, move out of your comfort zone and, and love it. Thank you so much for being on Wild Ideas Worth Living. Dean, you're awesome. I will have links to where to find Dean in the show notes as well as where to get his latest book. Thank you again, Dean. Thank you for having me on. What a great guy Dean Karnazes is. If this show didn't make you want to go for a run, I don't know what will. I'll have links on where to buy Dean's book, The Road to Sparta, as well as his favorite running shoes, The Elliptigo, his first book, Ultramarathon Man, and so much more in the show notes. Just go to wildideasworthliving.com, click on the podcast, click on Dean's show, episode eight, and all those links will be right there, super easy to find. If you liked this show, please tell a friend. And if you really liked it, I would love it if you could write a review on iTunes. You can also email me directly. I'm super easy to find. I love the feedback. Keep it coming. Thank you to my listeners. Thank you to my subscribers. Next week, we have a great show, so stay tuned. And don't forget, some of the best adventures happen when you follow your wildest ideas. Have a wonderful week.